Well, hello there, my friends. Thanks for stopping by to my spot right up here on the bleachers. This is where I come to sit and talk sports. And you're welcome to come up and join me. Bring your koozie, seat cushion. It's Sunday, July 30th. I'm Don Glenn. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers. You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engines. Romo on the shotgun here at the snap. Romo looking, dumps it up right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your Gallagher! Brujol with a widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Benford from the stretch. The 1 1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! On September 23rd, 2022. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You don't understand, I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Holy cow! Dad? You want to have a catch? I'd like that. That's right, I'm back with more sports to talk about. Today I'm going to focus a little bit on the Cardinals and the trade deadline and some rumors swirling and just some of my thoughts on what's happened the last week or so. Uh, I'm going to give you my recent take on the Chicago series and the one that's uh, currently going on in the final game of that today. Uh, do a pre, I might even a little preview of the NCAA report with my that I do with my co-host, Russ Robinson. That's going to be coming up probably next week. Well, if you've been here before, I thank you for coming back. And if it's your first trip around, hey, glad to have you and hope you do come back and become a regular. Now, I want to start off by saying Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud part of GatewayCitySports.com. At Gateway City Sports, you're going to find content on many of the sports in and around the city of St. Louis and the bi-state area. Articles and podcasts. So check out GatewayCitySports.com. 
Well, that winning streak that we had, that six-game Dr. Feelgood winning streak, it got smashed by the Cubs in Wrigley Field. Now, we won the first game there, 7-2, to two, lost uh, the next three. Uh, that second game, you know, incident involving an umpire. Now, I'm not blaming the umpire for losing that game, okay? So do not get me wrong when I talk about this. But it was, uh, bases were loaded, 4-1, to it was in the seventh inning, 3-0 count on Alec Burleson. Uh, the next pitch comes in, umpire calls it a strike, Burleson looked back at the umpire and said, wait a minute, because it was clearly on the replay, it was outside. I mean, if it caught any part of the black, it was so thin, it was a piece of paper. I mean, it, it, it was just, it was outside. Um, you had no way that really, it, you know. But it was close enough where Burleson asked the umpire, home plate umpire, Ron Culpa, and said, you know, hey, is that the corner? Culpa said, yes. Okay, or at least that's allegedly what happened. Um, then the next pitch is like three or four inches outside of that. Culpa calls it a strike. Burleson, obviously upset. Now he's in a, in a, in a 3-2 count, has to go into protect mode, doesn't get the pitch he wants to hit, has to swing at it, even though it may have been a ball, and by some accounts he swung at ball four, uh, or actually ball, would have been ball six if you count it right, and granted into a double play. Now, again, like I said, that play didn't cost St. Louis the game, because they still had two innings, and they couldn't get a hit off of the Cubs if they tried, which they I'm not sure they did. After Burleson grounded out, he was yelling at the umpire, he gets tossed, Marmol comes out. He's taught. He gets tossed. These umpires, and I, I, I'm on a. I'm, I'm just a quick little tangent here. These umpires, they don't want to see. I see. I'm not sure what they want, because you know, at first uh, you heard the report about the the, the robot umps that the uh, current crop of umpires don't want the robot. And there's a lot of people. I don't want the robot umps. Yes, umpires are screwing up balls and strikes, but I don't want um, robot umps, okay? That's plain and simple, number one. But if these guys don't want the robot umps, why are they helping the cause to get them? I was watching the thing on the, somebody posted on a, a Facebook site. Uh, I think it was an MLB Facebook, or maybe it was an MLB. I can't remember what, where I actually saw it at. But it was... I, and a number of different umpires. C.B. Buckner was one of them. I think Culpa was another one. I think there was another couple other guys. And it was showing one sequence of pitches, and this was on, on Buckner, where a pitch three inches above the strike zone, he called a strike. The next pitch was on the top of the strike zone. He calls it a ball. And the next pitch is a two inches inside, he calls that a strike. Then a couple pitches later, after a couple of foul balls, there's a pitch that goes, I mean, it is two inches below the knee, or two inches above the knee, I should say, not a blow, pardon me. Two inches above the knee, in the strike zone, calls it a ball. How blind are you? And, and this is happening all over. Watch any base. There's a there's a and I can't remember the name of the site. I have to look it up. But there's a site out there that rates umpires. Uh, guys like Buckner and these guys, their their rating is below ninety percent. And if you're going to be behind that plate, 
you've got to be at least 95%, 98% or better. You know, 95 to 98 or better. And a lot of these guys aren't. They're 90, 91, 93, 87, 88. I think Buckner had the lowest, or no, Angel Hernandez, I think, had the lowest rating one time at a 62 or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was bad. But this is the problem. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that that call or that sequence cost St. Louis the ball game because they had still had two innings. They were only one run down. If you can't make up one run in two innings with this off with this the guys on this offense, there's a problem. And that was the other problem. But, you know, you're, I'm seeing and, – and this is going to relate because I got another call coming up here in a second on uh, that uh, the umpires did. Uh, but anyway, we lost the three, three out of four. We go to Arizona. We take two out of three there. Everything was looking good. But the die's already cast at this point because you needed to win three of the four games in Wrigley Field. If you are going to get back into this race, if you're going to get back into the chance. Now, I'm not saying they don't have a a chance because, yes, uh, it might snow in Guam and and they could have a shot. But if you were going to have any realistic chance of even climbing into the wild card race, you needed to take three out of four in Wrigley Field and then come home and sweep them in St. Louis while taking two out of three in Arizona. Well, they got the two out of three in Arizona right. What they haven't got right, they lost three in Wrigley Field instead of winning three, and they're about to get swept at home unless they pull a miracle out of their ass today. Again, like I said, I'm not trying to make a big deal out of that. Umpire. I'm just trying to say that you know there's, there's some issues all the way around. The Cardinals are not helping themselves. And then they get bullshit like that for mumps. It's just not, uh, you know. I mean, the remote chance of this season being saved is going to, have to be the miracle on Clark and Broadway. <laughs> that's what you're going to have to call it. If it happens, that's what you're going to have to call it, the miracle on Clark and Broadway. Uh, I mean, outside of the 17-game winning streak against division rivals, you know, you might as well just, and I don't like doing this because I'm I'm a guy that, until they're mathematically eliminated, I still say they have a chance. Not <laughs> the eternal optimist, if you will. Uh, but even I can see the handwriting. I mean, the, even the eternal optimist out there can see that to make a comeback now, you would it, it would have to be the comeback of all comebacks. And, you know, it's not like they haven't done it before. You know, they've been 10 games out going into September. You know uh, the seventeen game winning streak, and then there was a, a time back uh, earlier where they've you know they've been they've been out eight ten games going into the last three six weeks of this, or three to four weeks of the season and come out smelling like a rose. So it's possible. I mean, yeah, it's possible, but it's also possible I can win the lottery tomorrow. Take it for what it's worth, right? And now we're going to get to the call I was talking about here earlier, the Thursday game against the Cubs with Miles Michaelis hitting Ian Happ after Happ clubbed Wilson Contreras in the back, in the side of it. Now, I know it was not intentional. Don't don't start reading that I'm saying Ian Happ's going out hitting guys with bats. That's not the case. It was an accident, and I'm going to give you that. But it's an accident that could have been prevented if we weren't so damn hyped up on analytics. Yes, I went there. And if anybody's, if any of you have listened to me in the past, I have never been a fan of analytics. This launch angle bullshit. This 
got to be swinging for the fences. It's making everybody a dead pull hitter instead of actually teaching them how to goddamn hit a fucking baseball. And if you don't like my language, I apologize. But I get a little upset. We've taken a game where guys or pros who took pride in their craft to hit the ball to all fields, to be able to bunt a goddamn baseball, to run the bases. Now we've turned them all into Ted Klusinski's. Nothing but a home run will do. And that's crap. If you're one of these little little millennial or Gen Z's or whatever the hell they... I, I lose track of that crap. But if you're one of these guys that think that, oh, it's got to be home runs or nothing, then please go find another sport to follow. Because you're fucking ruining baseball. And you can take Rob Manford with you. Sorry. I apologize. I don't, but I do. I apologize for the language, but I don't apologize for my opinion. How's that? We'll go that way. So anyway, at Hap after two swings, there's there's two outs, first inning, Hap is up. He takes this, and he's got this analytic pull swing where he takes that takes one hand off the bat and wheels that around with this and just and it's just a wide ass back swing with only one hand on the bat. You don't know where that bat's going. You can't control where that bat's going. And he clunked Wilson Contreras in the head. Now again, like I said, not intentional. He didn't go there to with the express intent of hitting Wilson Contreras in the head with a baseball bat. That I'm not saying that. After it was all said and done and they brought Kisner in and replaced Contreras and everything, went back to playing baseball, Michaelis buzzed him with a pitch and then he hit him in the hip. I mean, here's the thing. Hap knew he was going to get hit. He knew it. He stood there, got hit, and it wasn't a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. It was probably an 85-mile-an-hour curveball. And Hap put down his bat, walks off the first base. There's no ill feeling, no glares back at Michaelis, no yelling or screaming, nobody like, you know, the benches didn't empty, nothing like that. So then the umpires get together and they decide to throw Michaels out of the game for intentionally hitting a batter. Okay. Yes, that's a rule. And I'm not saying it is not a rule. What I'm saying is it was clear when he buzzed him with the first pitch, he was after Hap. So if he's going to buzz him with the first pitch, you warn him then. Say, hey, uh, we know what you're trying to do. You sent your message. That's it. Plain and simple. I mean, it would have been better off if Michaelis would have just hit him with the first pitch and be done with it. But they threw him out with no warning, which I I I find to be wrong. I mean, against the umpires being God, they think they they think they know more than everybody else. Uh, Marmol comes out to argue, and then Flaherty is, and it's unsure who he was actually yelling at. Uh, some say he was yelling at the first base umpire. Some say he was yelling at. Uh, the Cub bench, and then you got the Cub bench laughing over in the damn corner. What they're laughing at, I don't know, but it was it damned inappropriate in my mind, and uh, just poor sportsmanship. Uh, long and short of it, Marmol gets tossed, and you know then the Cardinals have to use the bullpen for a game they didn't planning on using the bullpen for, and they got beat. Um, Again, that that whole sequence did not cost St. Louis the ball game. I mean, yes, it did, but it didn't. I mean, when you bring in pitchers in, even out of the bullpen, even in the first inning, if they're not ready to pitch, that's on them. Okay, so. But again, 
What did Michaelis do wrong? I guarantee you, if that had been Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, Ferguson Jenkins, um, Nolan Ryan, even Max Scherzer, let's say, if that had been one of those guys out there, that he half would not have been hitting the hip. Gibson would have drilled him right between right between the fifth and sixth rib with a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball. Gibson would have made it hurt. So would have Ryan. So would Jenkins. So what did Michaelis do wrong? Nothing. The umpires have taken this game away from the players, and they need to goddamn stop. That's just my take on it. Uh, and now, Michaelis has been suspended. Marmol got suspended. Uh, I hope they fight it, and I hope they win the fight, uh, because I think it's bullshit. You know, Major League Baseball is just becoming a group of idiots. And again, the idiots led by the clown jester, Rob Manfred. You know, all that's enough to cause a stress attack. But I'll tell you what, you won't have stress at 5th Street Motors, located 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri. Because at 5th Street Motors, they believe in helping you find the vehicle that you need no matter what brand. They'll work with you to find a pre-owned vehicle that fits your budget. And so do yourself a favor. Give Brandon or Don a call today, 573-259-1306, and find out all about stress-free car buying and just how wonderful that can be. And that number again is 573-259-1306. And then tell them Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. All right, let's talk about trade deadline rumors. Oh, yeah, it's a fun time of the year, isn't it? All right, well, the White Sox have uh, jumped in whole hog. I mean, they've gotten rid of some pieces already. Uh, Kendall, and this is the one I find interesting because uh, you expect them to get rid of free agent pieces, but Kendall Graveman, Graver, Graveman, I keep wanting to put an extra R in his name, Kendall Graveman, uh, who, as I think he's got a year left on his contract, they traded him to Houston for light-hitting catcher Corey Lee. Uh, they also dealt... Uh, former Cardinals Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Dodgers for minor league pitchers Nick Nastrini, uh, Jordan Lashore, and uh, center fielder Trace, and then they got center fielder Trace Thompson as well. Uh, all reports Nastrini is one of these guys that is ready. It's kind of like a he's a Triple A, but he's ready. To, he's ready to show up. Uh, they say the only thing he's got a problem with is he does need to work a little bit on control. So, you know, maybe they're getting him something for the future. And they're still keeping Dylan Cease. Um, reports are they are not trading Cease. So we'll see what happens. They also sent Lucas Giolito and ra uh, relief pitcher Ronaldo Lopez to the Angels for pitching prospect Kai Bush and catching prospect Edgar Cuero. And the Mets... Uh, after saying Verlander was, well, after Verlander saying he was not uh, giving up his no trade clause, they did uh, send Max Scherzer. This just happened yesterday to the Texas Rangers for shortstop Luis Angel Acuna. Uh, they also traded 38-year-old closer David Robertson to the Miami Marlins for catcher Ronald Hernandez and third baseman Marco Vargas. The Angels have reportedly said Shohei Otani is not on the trading block. The Cardinals have said that 
uh, Nolan Arenado, despite reports of him going to the Dodgers or the Braves, um, I think then there's a, might have been one other that they've rumored about. Uh, that's not happening. Uh, Mosellock has once again reiterated, as he did about a month and a half ago, uh, uh, Nolan Arenado is not on the trading block. So get that through your heads, people. You see anything rumor involving Nolan Arenado, it ain't happening. All right? Unless it's just a crazy, stupid deal. Cardinals now did make a trade. Uh, ooh, hey, we made a trade. Uh, Genesis Cabrera went to Toronto in exchange for catcher Sammy Hernandez. Now, I'm not really sure why that was happening. Because uh, they they DFA'd Cabrera, which I don't know why they did that even. I mean, I'm, it, it's just not... This this is this whole move with Cabrera's has not made any sense since this happened, but uh, the Blue Jays uh, catcher Hernandez, uh, he was drafted in the 14th round in 2022. Uh, he's had two seasons in minors. He's hitting 200, 324, 377, three home runs, 15 RBIs, mostly playing in rookie ball. Uh, just recently moved to Low A Dundee and. Where he's hitting uh, 192, 241, 317 with two home runs and seven RBIs. Not sure what he's there for except just a warm body. And uh, I would have thought you could have got more out of Cabrera, quite frankly. Uh, I mean, even though Cabrera is one and one with a 506 ERA, whip of 1.53. Uh, he's been with the Cardinals since 2018, came over as part of the Tommy Pham trade. And like I said, they DFA'd him on the 17th, and then turned around and traded him. And that just, I don't know what happened with that deal, and not even sure why it was made. And, you know, if this is what we're going to end up with, folks, it's going to be a long second half of the season. Now, as the trades are starting to fall, because like the rumor mill's kicking up, uh, rumors are swirling that the Yankees are maybe looking at Dylan Carlson. Uh, Montgomery, I've also heard that Montgomery's being um, uh, coveted by the Orioles. Now, the Yankees are, could be looking for a shortstop, so a DeYoung-Carlson deal uh, to the Yankees for uh, some pitching would be not be a, not a bad idea. But then again, the Yankees are also looking for pitching, so who knows what, what, what we can get from the Yankees, or even if any of those rumors are true. Wilson Contreras' name has surfaced, which as much, and, and you guys know this, I, I'm not, not a Wilson Contreras fan, never have been. But if you sign a guy for $87.5 million and then you're going to trade him halfway into his first year, what does that say about the money you spent? So I'm not going to buy in that Wilson Contreras is being shopped. I mean, there may be people asking about him, but I'm not sure he's being shopped. Okay, so let's go with that. Uh, then, of course, uh, if you're thinking about trading people, well, who's going to play these positions? Well, um, I've just finished a piece. Uh, you can find it on GatewaySitySports.com on uh, Mason Wynn being the next piece up uh, if you trade a D. Young. But I think if they do that, it's going to have to be trading D. Young, and then somebody, either uh, Edmund or Donovan, would have to be traded, in my mind, for uh, Wynn to come up this year. Now, he will be in spring training, and he will more than likely win the shortstop job out of spring training next year, so you can bank on that. Um, but can we see when if we make some trades? And what trades are going to be made? Like I said, 
DeYoung is going to have to be traded. You're going to have to trade somebody. Or you could trade an outfielder. If you send a DeYoung and Carlson, you put Donovan in the outfield, then you've got to bring, then you can bring Wynn up to play shortstop. The Cardinals' announcement of Tyler O'Neill being the everyday left fielder and, and essentially saying, they haven't actually said this, but essentially saying he's not on the trading block. I don't buy that. I think if a team right now were going would offer a uh, number two, number one pitcher that's got a couple years, I think you could see Tyler O'Neill in a new uniform. I, I'm not buying the fact that he's untradeable. Not buying that one in the least. I think the only four untradeable guys to me, in my mind, and I know, well, I say five. There's a report out. The report out was that Gorman, Arenado, or excuse me, um, Goldie, Arenado, Newt Barr, and Walker were untradeable. I think you have to add Nolan Gorman in that mix. I think those five, you're not going to pry them away from St. Louis unless you want to give up totally stupid shit. I mean, if you want <laughs> if you want to give up your entire rotation for Nolan Gorman, fine, I'll take it. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't see those five going anywhere. I can see Noneal being traded. I can see Carlson being traded. Donovan, Edmund. Again, I don't see Contreras being traded. But again, somebody wants to be stupid. Hey, you got to listen. I mean, because Kisner. I mean, that game that, that Contreras got, Kisner came in. He was the only offense. He had two home runs. You know, Kisner's not that bad a catcher. So dealing with Wilson Contreras is not a bad thing. It's just good luck with free agents after that, okay? Because uh, what free agent is going to trust you if you trade him, if you trade a Wilson Contreras halfway into his first season after you've signed him to a five-year deal? I personally I think the five year deal was stupid. I would not have signed him for five if he was only if he wouldn't have taken a three year deal, I would have moved on. But then again, that's just me. A couple of the names that have been surfacing as being traded and maybe not being traded. Uh Jordan Hicks, Jack Flaherty have been long thought, uh, for the last month or so they would be gone at the deadline. And now it seems that they're trying to actually talk extensions to those two players. I think the Hicks thing is fueled for the fact that uh, there is serious doubts now about Ryan Helsley. He's been put on the 60-day IL. That's never good this late in the season. Uh, So it means he's pretty much done for the season. Um, And I really don't think, even though he's done it before, I don't think they want to go finish the season off with... uh, Gallegos as your closer, um, so I think maybe they're going to do that. And if they don't, if they don't think they're going to have Helsley, uh, now to me, I, I would dip into the free agent relief market. I mean, there's going to be a, a few of those guys available, um, but uh, and Hicks is not a bad option. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's just going to have to learn and get better at. A not walking batters and B not giving up it and not getting allowing guys on base. I mean that's all there is to it. He but I will say this once he once he locks in, uh, he's almost unhittable. It's all the way they're all there is to that. Another name on the on the uh, rumor mill is Jordan Montgomery, and here's the one. If I was going to extend anybody. I would have been talking with Montgomery at the start of the season. I, now, I understand why they extended Michaelis, and I didn't disagree with extending Michaelis, 
But my second person I would have talked to in spring training would have been Jordan Montgomery, and I would have extended him. I would have kept him around. Now, the only shot they've got at keeping Jordan Montgomery, if they don't trade him, and I'm not sure they're trading him, uh, they can get something for him. So they, they, if they can get the right deal, I think they trade him. But if they don't trade him, their only shot is that he accepts a qualifying offer at, at 19.5. And I don't think that's happening because, according to Sport Track, he's a starting pitcher number two or number two starter. And right now, that's anywhere between 18 and 25, $23 million, $24 million. If you're looking at, at comparables like a, a Martin Perez and uh, Aaron Nola, guys like that, that are number twos, you know, that's about what their salary range is. So I don't think he accepts a qualifying offer, plus his agent is Scott Barros. So I think uh, that's going to play into it, you know. Uh, so I think their best bet, if they can trade him, is to move him. Wayno is back, and I'll get to that in uh, just a little bit. You know, listening to the games when they were out there in Arizona, hearing the attempts of being 115 and, and heat indexes of 125, you have to worry about hydration. Well, there's one way you can stay hydrated. That's with Liquid IV, the number one powdered hydration brand in America. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Three times the electrolytes for traditional, traditional sports drinks. How does it do this? It's a technology called CTT, or Cellular Transport Technology. It's a process that's designed to enhance the rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients. Liquid IV is conveniently packaged. You can take it anywhere, and they have a variety of products, like electrolyte and hydration support for workouts or just outside work, daily support for your immune system to help your body fight off colds and such, an energy multiplier that's comparable to one to two 8-ounce cups of coffee, uh, but last longer, tastes better, lighter, more refreshing. Take some to work for a quick afternoon pick-me-up. Then they have a probiotic kombucha blend for di uh, to digestive health. Then even a sleep formula to not only hydrate you at night, but help you get the rest you need. Liquid IV comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors, including strawberry lemonade, tropical punch, and pina colada. Uh, and they're introducing a new sugar-free line in white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. Now, I'm trying out the immune system formula, and i tell you what. It's a tangerine flavor, very light, very refreshing. You get the benefits of vitamin B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's non-GMO. It's gluten-free. Contains no soy, no dairy. Liquid IV also believes that... Equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their waters and their future. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code GCS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today at liquidiv.com and use the promo code GCS at checkout. Also, ready to shop better hydration? You can use my special link, zen.ai slash talking sports on the bleachers to save 20% off anything you order. So see what hydration multiplication can do for you. Try Liquid IV. In his first game back since July 4th, Adam Wainwright pitched five innings. Uh, he was on a 65-pitch count. He ended up throwing 76. 
still looked pretty good. Uh, left the game with a 5-2 lead, but that didn't last long. Uh, Stratton gave up a run uh, in the sixth, or and then left in the sixth. JoJo Romero came in with the bases loaded, promptly hit a batter. Uh, seventh inning, Gallegos gave up a two-run double. And the next thing you know, the Cardinals are down 6-5 or 7-5. But uh, the Cardinals waited until the ninth inning and came in and scored five runs off Diamondback closer Andrew Chafin. Uh, the big hit of the whole thing was a three-run double by Tyler O'Neill after the Cardinals had already retaken the lead 7-6. to six. And uh, Jordan Hicks comes in, shuts the door, even though he let a couple runners on, turn around, shuts the door, and they get the 10-6 win. Didn't get Wainwright as 199th, but uh, he still did. He still pitched fairly well. Still needs two wins to get the 200. Uh, so, you know, and I think he's going to pitch well. Uh, he, this this last game against the Cubs, he did pitch okay. Uh, gave up four runs, you know, but he didn't lose that ball game by giving up two two run home runs. The Cardinals lost that ball game by not giving him any run support. So, in the last two games he's pitched, he looks better. Uh, Wainwright does. Uh, will he get two hundred wins? I think the odds are he will. Um, it's just. The Cardinals are going to have to support him. You know, he leads. He leaves the game with a three-run lead, and then they have to come up with five runs in the ninth to win it. Well, Wayne White's not the problem. Okay, so if you people sitting there saying Wayne White should retire, and that, 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 you know, shut up. I get what you're trying to say, and you're probably right that if he really wanted to keep his legacy intact. He would have left after last year with Pujols and Molina. And I get that, and I understand that. But that's not Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is a competitor. He's one who's going to go out there and fight like all get out. And he didn't want to go out like he did last season at the end of the year. Um, now, quite frankly, this so far this year hasn't been much better than the end of last year. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple months, he can at least pitch well enough to get over, get to 200 or maybe over 200, and then he can retire the way he wants to. A few other players I want to touch on quick. Uh, Nolan Gorman, since the All-Star break, this guy has been a one-man wrecking crew. In 13 games since the break, Gorman hit, is hitting 326, 380, 739 for a slug with four doubles, five Romans, 13 RBIs, and for all you little whiny whiny birds out there that are, oh, he striked out too much. He striked out. He he can't hit the ball. Okay, he's hitting three twenty six, and he's only struck out twelve times in fifty plate appearances for a twenty four percent strikeout rate. Twenty four percent. That's better than league average. So do yourself a favor. You're gonna whine, gripe, and complain. Please get yourself educated. All right. He's playing a good second. Oh, then is the other thing. He's defensively, he's a liability. No, he's not. No, he's not. Gorman has only made four errors at second base in over 400 innings, um, and he's better than at this point, anyway, than Edmund or Donovan is in terms of of, of uh, fielding percentage. Um, he has a 
negative two defensive runs saved. Donovan is a negative three. Edmund is also a negative two. Gorman has the best range factor per game with a, with of the three with a three point eight five, and is second behind Edmund in range factor in range factor per nine with a four point five seven. And if you ask if he's going to be a Gold Glove defensive second baseman, I can't answer that. And quite frankly, until he gets more adept at the position, no, he's probably not going to get a Gold Glove. I don't see him winning a Gold Glove at second base, at least not right now. But then again, he's only been playing the position two years. Two years. So, you know, cut the guy some slack, will you please? Um, and as the deadline approaches, people are talking about trading. You know, oh, trade Gorman. What we can? You're not going to get what you think. Yes, he's having an outstanding year. But it's only his second season in pro ball. Nobody's going to give you a number one starter for Nolan Gorman. Get that through your head. Going to give you a lot of prospects, but then you got to wait for those guys to show up. So take what you got, deal with it. Uh, next is Paul DeYoung. Now, I know a lot of people, including a couple guys over at Gateway City Sports Water Cooler, uh, which is kind of our little Twitter feed or whatever you want to call it, uh, they've been ultra-critical of St. Louis not trying to grab free agent shortstops the last years, like Turner, Swanson, Story, Simeon. Now, I did kind of want, wish they would have gone after Simeon last year, but, um, you know, it is what it is, and they kept uh, DeYoung. Um, and especially when you look at what he's done the last couple years offensively, twenty in 21 and 22, you know, like I said, he's been hitting below the Mendoza line, uh, injured, and just... It hasn't been a good look for for DeYoung. Um, and he vowed this year was going to be different. He was going to win. And it seemed to be. Uh, start of the season, it seemed that he had his issues taken care of, you know, and, and looked pretty pretty good. Um, then he hit a stretch there um, in May where he just he kind of reverted back to what we saw. And, you know, we had to keep, we had to think, is this the... Uh, is this just another sequel to the Paul DeYoung story? Uh, or I should say the Paul DeYoung uh, uh, fall from grace, if you will. Uh, but uh, he's kind of turned it around again. Uh, he In May, he posted uh, uh, 235, 284, uh, 420. Um, now in June, that was 247. Or excuse me, that was in June. Uh, in July. Now he's got a 247, 312, 329. Now that's a little concerning in that his slugging has gone down as his average has gone up. Um, he's only had five home runs in June or July compared to seven home runs that he had uh, uh, in, or excuse me, six home runs that he had in uh, the first 18 games. So you have to kind of wonder is he sacrificing something just so he can have a better hitting, uh, you know, I don't know. DeYoung's never going to win a silver slugger, okay? Get that, make that the number one thing. He's never going to win a silver slugger. Uh, but if he can hit around 250, you know, and get you 18 to 25 bombs a year, which he's very capable of, then great. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to be his case from here on out. I mean, as we're seeing here. Average is going up, but your your power is going down. So what's the, you know what's where's the balance here? But what he has been doing is playing some very good defense throughout this whole time. His defense has not suffered. In fact, 
among shortstops with over 650 innings this year. He's 7th in overall defense. He's 13th in defensive runs saved. He's 6th in outs above average, 5th in runs above average, and he's ahead of guys like the, the, people, the, the guys that people wanted, Correa, Turner, Lindor, uh, Bogarts, uh, on and on. You know, and I'm not advocating the Cardinals hold on to DeYoung because I do think Mason Wynn is your guy. I said that earlier, and I'll stick to that. And uh, like I said, if you want uh, any more on Mason Wynn, check out GatewayCitySports.com. Check my article out on Mason Wynn. I've also got articles on uh, Gorman, and uh, uh, and I'm probably going to have a couple more coming out here soon. Uh, but uh, DeYoung is somebody that I think is very undervalued by fans, the St. Louis fans, but for the right team, he can bring you some stuff. May have to package him with a Montgomery, with a Carlson, somebody like that, to get really good stuff. But he can get you some good prospects uh, just on his own. Jack Flaherty, I touched on him earlier. And extending Jack Flaherty is maybe not that bad of an idea. Um, and there's no denying that when he is on, back half of 2019, the front half of 2021, he's unhittable. I mean, he, he's, he's very, very good. I mean, in, in 2019, the second half of the season, he had 15 games, .91 ERA, .715 whip, struck out 124 batters in 99 in the third innings with a record of 7-2. and two. Now, a lot of that came in August and September, and, and, and his ERA just in August and September of that year was .77, and his whip was .646. Now in 21, he started out like a house on fire till he had the as uh, the oblique, I think. Uh, uh, in his first 11 games, he was 2.9 ERA, 1.032 WHIP. His strikeout total wasn't quite as good as 2019. It was only 67 Ks and in 62 innings. But you can see what we've got when he's healthy and when he's on, when he's right. He's as good as there is as there is in the game. So holding on to him. Trying to extend him may not be a bad idea. I mean, right now, in five in his last five games, uh, he's three and one with a three point oh three ERA. His WHIP is a little high, one point four one six. So he's got to work on his walks, um, which is climbing back. I mean, it was down to like two to one. Now it's almost three to one. So that's getting a little better. But he's got to. Uh, He's got to get a little bit better with, with the, the walks and, and, and hits, but at least he's not allowing a lot of runs. Uh, so if, you're gonna, if they extend him, that's good. Uh, because quite frankly, trading market, um, Montgomery's going to be worth a little bit more than Flaherty will be. And I think that's just the, the way it's going to go. I'm going to finish up by talking about how fan, some of these, some fans we have out there need to get a grip. But let's first talk about uh, the Wiley Group. We all know how important it is to stay protected. And just like a quarterback who stays protected in a pocket, you need to have the things in your life protected. Because as we all know, sometimes life throws you a curve. That's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer you a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They offer great rates, savings, so give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294. 
They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. I mean, that's just the way they do business. Give them a call if you just want to talk sports, because I hear they do that too. And that number again is 636-764-6294. Now, with work, kids, and daily functions, sometimes we just get busy. You can also email Sean, Sean Wiley at Allstate.com. That's S-E-A-N-W-I-L-E-Y at Allstate.com. And talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. I've been going through social media and the level of lunacy, that's the best way I can put it, among Cardinal fans. It's just, it, it's phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't understand, okay? And if somebody can can help me out with this, you, I'll give you ways to talk to me at the, at the end of the show. But we got we got people that are saying we need to just burn it all down, trade everybody, and start over. Okay, if you have not been happy with the way things have gone the last three or four years of of barely making the playoffs or not making the playoffs or not playing well. You want to tear it all down and start all over with young kids and brand new people. Do you realize that takes three to five years to rebuild a team when you do that? Stop and use your damn head. This team has a very good solid core. There's no reason to burn it down. Okay? That's number one. Now I was saying trade Arenado, trade Goldie. Okay, one problem with that, guys. They've got no trade clauses. They have to agree to a trade. And just like Justin Verlander with the Mets, they may not agree. And if they don't, you can't trade them. Get a grip. Then you have those who are saying, we need to just throw everything we have at the Angels and get Otani. Well, okay, first of all, that's dumb. Second of all, they're not trading Otani. End of story. I mean, do some research. Read. Understand things. Don't make stupid statements and spout off at the mouth. Um, then you have those that are still living in the past and can't get over the fact that we did not sign Max Scherzer when he was a free agent and supposedly wanted to come to St. Louis. I'm not saying he didn't want to come. I'm not saying that it's an inaccurate report. I'm just saying that was the feeling, supposedly, that he wanted to come to St. Louis and St. Louis didn't even talk to him. I don't know if they didn't talk to him or not. Um... And quite frankly, I don't care. All right? Because it's in the past. Well, it happened a few years ago. Why are we still reliving it? We got guys out there still reliving Oh, everything went south after Oscar Tavares passed away. Get over it. Get over it. I mean, worrying about what we didn't do five, six, seven, eight years ago is not any, has no relevance to now. It doesn't. Because there's no, even if we had had signed Max Scherzer when he supposedly wanted to come to St. Louis, even if we had done that, would we still have him today? Probably not. Oscar Tavares, if he hadn't passed away, would he be the next Roberto Clemente, Juan Soto, whatever you want to call him. Maybe. Or maybe not. 
How many times have we seen guys start off great in a little limited cup of coffee and then come up the next year and, okay, well, they're just kind of an average ball player. Now, I'm not saying that would have happened to Tavares. Okay, don't get me wrong. I think Tavares is a lot like Walker and Wynn, and he was a, he was a talent that I think truly could have been, you could have called him generational. Uh, he would have more claim to that title than Juan Soto. I'll guarantee you, I, I think that. Uh, but But it's doing nobody any good. Worrying about what we did in the past. You know, just like this, oh, and, and Moe's deals of trading uh, a Rosarina and Alcantara and Galen. What if we had those guys back? Who's to say they'd be doing what they're doing now? When we traded Galen, he was not even on the radar of being able to join the club and, and be a, 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 a contributor to the rotation or the pitching staff. Miami traded him to Arizona. And while he pitched well, it's taken him a couple years to get where he's at. And given the level of some of the uh, people I've seen post on Facebook and Twitter, or X, however you want it, whatever you want to call it now, would they have had the patience to wait two and three years for Alcantara and... Uh, Galen to develop. Now, the Randy Rosarina, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I, I really don't. I think a lot of people, as I, liked Rosarina. I thought he brought a lot to the game. I thought uh, he would have been a great addition to the outfield. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, you can still worry whether that's, deals done good done St. Louis any good or not because we did you know everybody's focusing on Libertor and and his struggles but we also got in that deal Tink Hentz so I want you guys to put that in the back of your mind that we also got Tink Hentz at that deal so in a lot of ways that deal is still to be determined what we've gotten in trade value I mean, if Libertor comes out and becomes a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy and Tink Hintz, uh proves out to be what he's been in the minors and transfers that to the, to the majors, then I'd say that works out to a pretty good deal. Okay? Going back to the Alcantara, uh, Alcantara Galen for Ozuna, I think that deal, while at this point, yeah, it looks like it's not been that good for St. Louis, uh, Al Cantera's had his problems this year. Yeah, he won the Cy, Cy Young last year, but he's having problems this year. Uh, and also in that deal, we did get Alec Burleson. So if Burleson can get his stuff together, and I'm not so sure about that one, then that deal could actually look a little bit better. I don't think it's going to look in any way, shape, or form like the Cardinals won or came out even. But, um, you know, it'll come out a little bit better than what we thought uh, if Burleson can... Get him get himself together and 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 make it happen. And I understand where all this is coming from, Mosellock. And trust me, I've been on him like 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 a lot of people, especially the last three years with the pitching staff and not paying attention to what's going on. Starting the year with two or three guys on the on the IL, or you know, you make a deal for Stephen Matz. And it's like, okay, I fixed the pitching staff. No, you didn't. You know, you needed a top-of-the-rotation starter, and what you got was a basically a number three, number four. 
And right now he's pitching like a number five. So you didn't fix the rotation. You know, and next year it's and this is why this is this deadline is, is something and next, and this off season is going to be big for Mosaloc. Because right now, unless unless they extend Flaherty, you've got two pitchers going in our next season that you've got to build around. Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz. And then you've got to come and fill in, and you've got Libertor, you've got Woodford, you've got possibly McGreevy, you've got maybe Hintz, Zerpe. So you've got, a, you've got all these kids. That's not making up a good rotation. We tried that before. And yeah, you can, I'm not saying these kids are all going to be bad, but throwing that many young kids into rotation like that is not good. And keeping a Jack Flaherty, yeah, you're you're still young, but he's been around enough. He's a veteran now, so you you've at least got some kind of veteran leadership, and along with Mike, listen, Matt's. But you need that solid number one starter. You need a guy that you can go, you can throw out there, guaranteed every five days, and you know there's about an eighty five percent chance you're going to come out with a win. Right now, there's nobody in our rotation that you can say that about. Maybe Montgomery. You know, he's going to keep you in a game. How often is he going to be able to do that without breaking down? And we've seen that happen. He's not that consistent. The bullpen is not that consistent. So there are going to have to be things done. And the idea of trying to turn Zach Thompson into a starter, he's shown he's better out of the bullpen. Quit trying to change things. Go out, get what you need, and get it done. Uh, so I understand where that frustration is coming from fans. But uh, on the other side of it, the fans, you need to understand this. Just because you think something didn't work out, we don't know all the details because we were not in the room when the planning and strategy sessions happened. We were not party to any of the discussions with free agents or trades. And we don't have all the data they've got. Yeah, we can get, and you can argue with me on that if you want, and that's fine. And you can tell me I'm wrong, but we don't have all the data. We don't have all the inside data that that teams trade each other. Uh, every trade, every free agent signing is a risk. It's a gamble. You are not guaranteed of anything when you trade for somebody or sign somebody. Look at the Phillies. They sign uh, Harper to a 13-year contract. Yeah, they made the World Series, but it wasn't until they added Castellanos, <coughs> excuse me, Schwarber, uh, and a number, Rilamuto, a number, a number of other guys. Now, one player is, unless your team is set, one player is not going to make a big difference to you, even if it's a superstar. You look at the Angels, that all these years that they had Trout and Otani and, and, and a few others, what have they done? San Diego trades for Soto last year. What has he done? Now, what's Sandy, where's San Diego at? I mean, yeah, they're in better shape than we are. But that's not saying much. That's a low bar, okay? <laughs> Let's figure that part out. That's a low bar. But he hasn't done what they wanted him to do, it, 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 turn it around. There. And they've got Machado and these other guys. And they can't win. Or at least overtake the Dodgers. Look at the Yankees with all the, all what they've got. Where are they sitting? So just because 
a player is a bright, shiny penny doesn't mean he's going to fit and doesn't mean it's going to spend well. All right? I mean, if you look at trades that we've made, people, after we traded, you know, people were clamoring last year. We need to get rid of Bader's. I mean, Bader this, Bader that, get rid of him. So we trade him and we get Montgomery. Bader has a very good postseason. Why in the hell did we trade Bader? Give me a break. And what's going to happen here when we trade DeYoung? And then he takes off for some other team. Well, we should have kept DeYoung. We're going to depend on a prospect for next year. After you guys bitched about not signing Trey Turner, Javi Baez, and all these other guys that DeYoung's outperforming. So get a grip. Understand what's going on and deal with it. We can't change anything. You and I have no control over what this team does. We don't have to like it, and I agree with that, and I'll be as critical as anybody else. But at least be informed when you're being critical about it. At least use some common sense. And quit living in the past. Okay? All right. Well, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, if you like the show, tell your friends, hit the like and subscribe buttons. Uh, Talking Sports Art the Bleachers can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just about anywhere you get a podcast. Um, and if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can find it on uh, Twitter or X. Again, I'm not sure what we're calling it anymore. Are we calling it Twitter? Are we calling it? I don't know what we're calling it. Uh, but you can find me there uh, at TSOTBGCS, or you can email me at tsotb.gcs at gmail.com uh, Don't forget to check out gatewaycitysports.com because at Gateway Sports, you're gonna, again, you're going to find the articles and content on many things around the sports era, uh, sports in St. Louis. Uh, guys like Russ Robinson, Brian Swope, Gene Bonds, and yours truly uh, with articles and, and, and uh, content. There's also other podcasts. You can check out the Team of Rivals with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. The That's a Winner podcast with Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown. The Two for Three with the Moose, Mike Stevenson. And, of course, coming back by popular demand, the Derek King Sports Show with Derek King. And be sure to check out Russ and I when we get together for the NCAA report. Uh, like I said, it's going to be coming up probably next week. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Northwestern scandals, uh, maybe a little bit uh, preview of uh, some uh, Mizzou and, and Illinois football. Uh, we've got a few things to talk about. Um, there's also some musings of uh, people saying that Missouri should not be part of the SEC now. I, I don't know how that's going to go. I'll talk with Russ about that. Uh, so, again, thanks for listening. And uh, until we meet again, I want you to have fun, stay safe, and I'll see you again when we're talking sports on the bleachers. Take care, everybody.